You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful, dear listeners, welcome back. Welcome to the Voice of Islam Radio. You're listening to The Breakfast Show, broadcasting live from Battle for Two Mosques, the biggest mosque here in Britain and the biggest of Western Europe. My name is Shah Muni Ahmed, and today we will cover very informatic and interesting topics. We will talk about about the best sleeping position. And of course, we will also furthermore talk about global food crisis. So, dear listeners, it's going to be very interesting. But before we go, so um, I want to discuss a few th- things with you. Um, first of all, if you want to be included in this show, if you want to d- uh put your comment into show, the show you can call it at any time the number is 0208687 or you can tweet us at voice of slam uk so dear listeners um as you know her majesty queen elizabeth ii has passed away and we have seen the funeral as well um and uh, having now a new leader king charles iii May Allah strengthen him and uh, may Allah save the king. Um, we are still talking about his coronation. And um, it is very interesting. A few people were assuming that his coronation was going to be held in the next few weeks. So, But a date for the king's coronation has not yet been announced. But it is expected to take place in spring or summer next year. As a state occasion, it will be publicly founded. King Charles is said to be planning a coronation ceremony that will be less expensive than his mother's because of the cost of living crisis. So you can see that now, as he's taking up the role, he's also looking after and he's thinking about his own people and he's trying to do his best to be a role model and to lead his country in the best way. He's also expected to reveal a slimmed-down monarchy, meaning there could be fewer working members of the royal family. Now, while a date has not yet been set for his coronation, the king's is due to be shorter and smaller than the queen's in 1953, which is told by a royal, royal source to the Daily Mirror. The ceremony for Queen Elizabeth II cost a total of 1.57 million, which is equivalent of 46 million today. And... Uh, it is also said that the king is very aware of the struggles felt by modern Britons, so we'll see his wishes carried through that although his coronation ceremony should stay right and true to the long-held tradition of the palace of the past, it should also be re- representative of a monarchy in a modern world, which is also a source told to the paper. Queen Elizabeth II was not crowned until 16 months after the death of her father, George leading some to speculate that King Charles could be crowned on the same date to mark to mark the seventh anniversary on June 2023. Listeners, as you know, Islam has focused on that point that we should be loyal to the country, we should be loyal to the leader of the country as well. And of course we pray f- uh, for His Majesty as well, for the royal family as well, and of course of, for this nation uh, it is important that we stay together and we that we have a leader who can lead us, with, who can lead with justice, which is also mentioned in the Holy Quran. 
that a leader should lead with, uh, with justice. The listeners, um, it is a new, uh, of course, it's, it's very new for us now. We have, we'll have, we have a king now. We used to have the queen, who was a remarkable woman. And for everyone around the world, she was someone who was highly respected as well. And uh, of course, it's a huge burden for His Majesty now. But we believe, we know that he will lead the country with justice and he will do a great job as well. Um, coming now to another very important uh, topic, which is about, it's very important, it's very interesting as well. It's very, actually also very good news. Teresa Coffey pledged to free up over a million appointments a year by hiring extra support staff and installing new phone system by the NSH. So it is said that um, the new health secretary expects patients to get GP appointments within two weeks. Patients will be expected to get an appointment with their GP without, within two weeks under plans to be unveiled by the new health secretary on Thursday. Therese Coffey will tell the Commons that patients with the most urgent needs should be also be seen the same day as part of a drive to improve access to doctors' appointments. Now, the government will not put an official target in place and there will not be rec uh, there will not be recourse for patients if practice don't stick on to the expectation placed on them. But Ms. Coffey will promise to help meet the time frame through recruiting extra support staff, including GP assistants and advanced nurses, um, to enable GPs to focus on seeing patients, claiming the move will free up 1 million appointments a year. As I said, this is a good news. Uh, it's also good support for the for the NSH, and um, it's also yes, you know, it's very important uh, that we should look to take care of our health. We should look after our health as well, dear listeners. This is also something which mentioned very well in the Islamic uh, teachings, included in Islamic teaching, to look after your health, and therefore, um, very positive that. This new system, which is now included in the NSH, will help people to go uh, who are in need to recover quite uh, early. Uh, the new cloud-based telephone system will also be installed to help people get through to surgeries more easily. Something suggested by her predecessor Steve Barkley. One body which represents health, trust in England, and Wales said. To the measures will not come close to solving wait times and the body representing GPs said it is not a plan. The health secretary will tell MPs, I will put a laser-like focus on the needs of patients, making their priorities my priorities and being a champion for them on the issues that affect them most. Our plan for patients will make it easier to get a general practice appointment and we will work tirelessly to deliver that alongside supporting our hard-working GP teams. We know this winter will be tough, and this is just the first step in our work to bolster our valued NSH and social care services so people can get the care they need. But Labour's Shadow Health Secretary, West Streeting, said the last Labour government guaranteed a GP appointment within 48 hours until the Conservatives scrapped it, adding the Conservatives promising to solve the difficulties patients face in getting a GP appointment is like the arsonist promising to put out the fire. 
He also criticized the government's promises of a digital revolution in the NSH, saying NHS stuff working flat out will have been hoping for something more advanced than the telephone to help them. As part of her plan, Ms. Coffey will appeal to the public to take part in a national endeavour to support health and social care, urging volunteers who came forward during the COVID pandemic to offer up their services again. She will also enable pharmacies to manage and supply prescriptions, again freeing up space at surgeries, and will continue to push the message to people to go to pharmacies for minor illnesses or symptoms, such as cough, headaches or sore throats. Another part of the change will see the government introduce the publication of appointment data for each GP practice. More details will be outlined in Ms. Coffey's common statement, but it so far ha- it so far has the backing of NSS Chief Executive Amanda Pritchard, who said, we will work with the government so we can support NSH staff to deliver these new ambitions for patients. However, the Royal College of General practitioners issued a fierce criticism of the proposal saying it was not a plan. They said Miss Coffey should have talked to, to its member GPs on the front line to understand the challenges before lumbering a struggling service with more expectations. Now, this is a shortage of, of over 4,000 full-time equivalent GPs according to the NSH Confederation. The organization which represents trust across England and Wales said it welcomes any support for the workload and workforces crisis, but added, the measures will not come close to ensuring patients who need to be seen can be within the timescales set out. Although, they will have minimal impact of fixing the current problems that general practice is facing over the winter and could compromise continuity of care for those who need it. In Labour's Mr. Streeting said, the Conservatives have failed to provide the doctors and nurses needed to treat patients on time and patients are paying the price in record long waiting times. Unless the government brings forward a plan for the NSH staffing crisis tomorrow, they don't have a plan for the NSH. New Prime Minister Liz Truss has said tackling problems within the NSH is one of the main priorities of her prem- premiership. premiership. And Ms. Coffey? who has also been appointed Deputy Prime Minister, promised to address the ABCD of issues, namely ambulance, delay, backlogs in hospitals, social care and doctor-dentist appointments. So, dear listeners, um, again, it's a very important topic. It's very, um, it is important. Uh, I think your health is one of the main part of our body. We're looking after our body. We try to stay healthy, but sometimes in... There are bacteria uh, which we carry around and, and causing trouble into our for our health as well. And, and uh, we appreciate the work NHS is doing and hopefully the plan which is now set up by the government, hopefully it will work positively and hopefully um, the problem we have seen in the past will be resolved with that as well. And uh, then we had uh, another very interesting uh, news I want to share with you, dear listeners. Um, Joe Biden has said that COVID-19 has entered his country. Now, this is very interesting because few people disagree with him that COVID-19 is, is still there and we should be very careful. Now, um, but the WHO says the end of COVID-19 pandemic is in sight. 
The organization said weekly deaths from the virus around the world are at their lowest since March 2020, the month Britain first went in lockdown. In the UK, infections have dropped to their lowest level for nearly 11 months. We never have been in a better position to end the pandemic. We are not there yet, but the end is in sight, the agency director general Dr. Tedros Adhonan said. A marathon runner does not stop when the finish line comes into view. She runs harder with all the energy she has left. So must we. We can see the finish line. We are in a winning position, but now is the worst time to stop running. He said, it was the time to run harder, adding, adding, if you don't take this opportunity now, we run the risk of more variants, more death, more disruption, and more uncertainty. So let's seize this opportunity. He called on the world to end the, this pandemic together and announced that the WHO is releasing six policy briefs that outline the actions that government must take now. The documents include guidance and testing vaccination, best practice of managing the disease, maintaining infection control measures in health facilities, preventing the spread of misinformation and community engagement. The WHO has estimated that 19.8 million deaths were averted in 2021 thanks to COVID-19 vaccines and 12 million uh, doses have been administered around the world. But it warned that the virus still poses an acute global emergency and highlighted that during the first eight months of 2022, more than a million people died from COVID-19. COVID-19 is, again, is something we haven't seen before. It's a pandemic. The world has seen the pandemic, but for Danish, it was something new. And we just hope that COVID, uh, that the next year starts better without hearing the name of COVID-19, without knowing that we live in this uh, pandemic. Dear listeners, um, again, whatever the government is telling us to do to beat that pandemic, just listen to it. The only thing we can do is we can beat it together. This is what WHO has also said, that if you want to get rid of that pandemic, we need to work together. And that's the only thing we can do. We should listen to the guidelines given by the government. And I'm very grateful for the government as well, what they have done to help this country, to his people the service they have provided to those people it's uh of course remarkable and uh, we should be very thankful for that as well COVID-19 is something um again we haven't seen this before and it came and um it has also brought a lot of death to people um and it is strange that um during this uh let's say two or three years um we have seen this pandemic and now because this pandemic is coming now to an end, we have also seen some other kinds of virus and which has spread around the globus. And uh, my opinion to get rid of all of this pandemic, of course there we have of course this earth has seen many, many pandemics, but I, I believe that to get rid of this pandemic is that we should come closer to God. I've said it many, many times that we have tried many things, and I'm I'm very um, thankful for the government and f- f- that they have provided the vaccines as well, and that we were able to get the boosters, the vaccines and the boosters, etc. But I believe that the best thing we right now we can do is that we should remember God quite often. We we should come closer to Him. It's a promise from Him that whoever remembers Him, He will remember Him as well. He will remember the person who remembers Him. 
and um, we need i just believe we need a friend we need someone who can take care of us and for me that friend is just god i've put my trust always into him and he never left me alone and this is what the founder of the Ahmedian community has also said that I was really read to his books. Uh, the thing I've seen all the time, and I, I was reading his book, is like he is trying me to drag me to that person which we know as God, you know, to that being that can be our helper, our friend as well, and who's ready to help us, who's ready to be our friend, who loves us more than anything. And uh, I think, um, as I said, we have tried a lot of things. We have uh, tried to stay in the homes. We had the vaccines, etc. But for the future, if you don't want to see that scenario again, the best thing I believe we can do is that we should try another method, which is, as I said, to come closer to God. And it's no harm in remembering Him. Uh, it's a tryout. And I believe, and uh, you can trust me, if we, if we do so, we will see how much changes we can bring for this world. Um, it is sad, and it is true, the fact that if you love someone, if you love someone, you will love the other people who are loved by that person as well. So again, my opinion, it's, um, I'm just suggesting something, but I believe, and you can trust me in that, the best thing we can do is to get rid of the pandemics, to get rid of this virus, to stay healthy, to remember God quite often. Um, the listeners, we had sports as well. We had yesterday uh, a match Ukraine against um, Scotland, and Scotland won that game by three 0 which means that they will they are first now in their group in this National League. And uh, today we will have uh, other very interesting games. Um, we have, will have Croatia against Denmark, France against Austria. France is also struggling in the League A, their Group One. Uh, they are lost, and um, if they lose this match, um, they won't have any chances uh, not to get relegated. We have Belgium against Wales as well, and Poland against the Netherlands. But the listeners, I'm pretty sure that you are looking forward for the game tomorrow, as Italy and England are facing each other, and this brings back memories, very sad memories, uh, last year when uh, England lost to Italy in the final in Wembley. Uh, and we remember the penalty shootouts in the end. It was a great match, no doubt on that. Uh, England was leading for almost an hour during the match, and then Buster suddenly everything was turned over when we conceded. So tomorrow we have the opportunity. We have the opportunity to revenge ourselves. Um, the, uh, it's a good um, um, opportunity um, for as well as well for the preparation of the World Cup, which is coming in a few months. So I'm pretty sure, Biggie listeners, you're looking forward for that match. For the movie, we will also have a, uh, also Germany will face Hungary. Hungary is doing very well um, in the recent games. They have beaten England as well as Italy, so it's going to be very interesting. Um, uh, I'm very looking forward to that match as well because I want to see how Hungary will play against Germany and what the outcome will because Hungary has improved quite 
quite big and uh, of course we will have um another matches as well we will um on friday we will see portugal cristiano ronaldo playing against czech republic spain will face switzerland and then against scotland will play against Repub against republic of ireland the listeners and on sunday uh, sorry not on sunday but on monday we will have another very interesting match. It is going to be England against Germany. And this has also always been a very interesting game. So we have seen... Um, game, I mean, and those two teams are facing each other. It's going it's, it's to always be interesting. And uh, let's see how this, the outcome will be of this game. Um, England and Germany games of these kinds of games everyone's looking forward to these games and everyone is talking we'll talk about it so for the next week those who are watching football so will love to watch football until monday sorry yeah until thursday you will have the opportunity to follow the nations league again this is going to be a very good preparation for these teams who are qualified for the world cup to um see where they are standing because the world cup is coming very close as well England again is playing against Italy and Germany, so they're facing two very big nations. But we have seen England play, uh, have played in the past very well as well, and they managed to play very good against these teams. So, listen, it's going to be very interesting. Um, the listeners, uh, we go go now for a short break, and after the break, we will come. Uh, we will go straight to our first segment, which is again about sleeping position what is the best sleeping position let me know how you sleep what's your position when you sleep what's you think the best position of sleeping of sleep let me know you can call in at any time at 0286877878 or you can tweet us at voice of some uk we will be back after a short break so hazrat khatim al-anbiya may peace and blessings of allah be upon him in a dream in 1864 or 1865 in my early youth, when I was still pursuing my studies. In my dream I had in my hand a religious book, which I felt was of my own authorship. Upon seeing the book, the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, inquired from me in Arabic, How have you named this book? I submitted, I have named it Qutbi. The interpretation of this name has now come to my mind, on the publication of this well-publicized book, Brahina Ahmadiyya, that it is a book which in its reasoning and arguments is firm and unshakable like the polar star. Presenting the firmness of the contents of this book, I have issued a challenge and announced the award of a prize of 10,000 rupees for anyone who might be able to refute it. In short, the Holy Prophet ﷺ took that book from me the moment the blessed hands of the Holy Prophet ﷺ touched it, it became an attractive and lovely fruit resembling a guava, but as large as a watermelon. When the Holy Prophet ﷺ started cutting it into pieces to distribute it, it yielded so much honey that his blessed hand and forearm began to drip with it. Then a dead body that was lying outside the door came to life as a miracle of the Holy Prophet ﷺ, and came and stood behind me. My humble self was standing before the Holy Prophet ﷺ, as a supplicant stands before a ruler. The Holy Prophet ﷺ was occupying his chair in great glory and majesty, 
and with display of authority as if he was a great champion. To summarize, the Holy Prophet ﷺ handed over to me a piece of the fruit so that I might give it to the newly revived person and he bestowed upon me all the remaining pieces. I gave that one piece to the revived person, which he ate immediately. When he finished eating it, I noticed that the blessed chair of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, had risen much higher and the countenance of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, began to shine forth like the rays of the sun, which was an indication of the revival and progress of Islam. While watching this display of light, I woke up. Allah be praised for all this. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful, dear listeners, welcome back. My name is Shahmin Ahmed and you are listening to another episode of Breakfast Show. Dear listeners, we will talk about best sleeping position. I know the day has just started. People are now getting up. A uh, few people are already in their offices or are taking now their breakfast. Um, the listeners, sleeping is something, you know, um, people just enjoy. They just want to sleep. Um, I believe, if possible, we would sleep all day. Um, so let me know, what is the, and you call, for you, what is the best sleeping position for you? You can call in at any time, 020-8687-7878, or you can tweet at the Voice of Islam UK. Be a part of this discussion and uh, the uh, listeners, you will be surprised that even sleeping is very healthy for us. Uh, we just talked about the NSH and the health system, uh, the new health system which is providing provided by the government, which will be provided by the go government. But we will talk also about sleeping and uh, why sleeping is so healthy. So as I said, it's one of the best things you can do during the day, uh, during the night time as well, just to rex, just to recharge. And... Uh, now we will but now we will discuss what is actually the best sleeping position. Now this it is said that the best sleep position varies according to the needs of the individual, but in, in essence is one that promotes healthy spinal alignment from your hips all the way to your head. Sleeping on your side or back is considered more beneficial than sleeping on the stomach because in either of these sleep positions it is easier to keep your spine supported and balanced. This in return releases pressure on the spinal tissues and enables your muscle to relax and recover. So basically, what I do is, I also sleeps, I also sleep on my um, back, or sometimes uh, I do sleep on the, on my on the side as well. So well, I'm, I'm very relieved because I'm, uh, to, uh, I didn't know that I'm. Uh, but as you said before, even sleeping can be very healthy as well. So the variety of sleep positions provide different benefits depending on the individual's conditions like pain, pregnancy, allergies or another health condition. Wearing the sleep position may bring about relief and it's a good idea to try different positions to ascertain which works best. In one study, a group of adults with back pains were trained to sleep on the back or the side. They experienced significant pain relief in just a few weeks. Adjusting to your knee sleep position takes time, so it is advisable to be patient and use pillows to help train your body to a knee position. I just read a few weeks that one of the major body pain we have, or which has increased in this day and age, is the back pain. 
and I just um, you listen. I just read it out. The best, one of the best way to get rid of that back pain is just to adjust your sleep position, sleep on your back or on your side, and you will see the difference. Um, I've also heard. I mean, uh, you'll be amazed, but while I'm talking about the sleeping position, I will also present the Islamic teaching in accordance of that, and the Holy Prophet peace be upon him. He has said as well that sleeping on your side or on your back is good instead of, rather than sleeping on your stomach because he also said that while sleeping on your stomach is can, it can um, um, be painful for your uh, back as well and for your heart as well. So, dear listeners, I just read it out. The best sleeping position is sleeping on your back or on, on your side. Now, as I said, um, sleeping is one of the best things we can do, basically. You know, j just to rest, turn out the lights, lie down, and just close your eyes and start dreaming. Now, it is not just something we, we enjoy, but there are also beneficial things on that. Now, sleeping on your side is the least likely to cause back pain. This is what we just discussed as well. Since encourage optimal spinal alignment, especially when supported by cushions. For those who suffer from sleep apnea or lying on one side, may also lessen snoring and heartburn. You know, there's one very um, sometimes for few people uh, very disturbing when people start snoring as well. Um, I mean, there should be um, I should be a rule: someone who's snoring shouldn't be asleep with someone who's not snoring, and rather you should be sleeping with someone who's snoring as well, so you can see how um, disturbing this is. Any, uh, I mean, any, anyhow. Now, sleeping flat on your back is when uh, you can. Uh, let's. Um, it's also very um, beneficial when you are lying flat on your back. It is simple to maintain spinal alignment and distribute your weight equally, preventing an, any potential neck or back pain. As long as you prop yourself up in an upright position, sleeping on your back can also help you feel less congested from allergies or stuffy nose. Something I didn't know that. It's very interesting. Um, now, dear listeners, um, as I said, you will be surprised, but Islam has given guidance in everything. And even regarding sleep, Islam has provided us guidance. In the Holy Quran, chapter 25, verse 48, Allah has said, And it is He who has made the night a covering for you, and who has made sleep for us, and has made the day for rising up. Now, we can see that, um, as I said, sleep is something we enjoy, but it's also where we can charge our batteries to regain energy, to rest simply. When we have an exhausted day, just to come home or just to switch off the light and just to close the eyes. And here you go then, that even God has said that um, we should be there and we should... Um, just enjoy the sleep and uh, as God has said he has provided the sleep so we we rest so additionally sleeping on your back is good for your skin as well your face won't be pressed against the pillow or mattress which can cause wrinkles because you are facing upward so um, dear listeners um, as I said um, sleeping is very healthy as well um, but now um there are people, of course, we just discussed this as well, people who are suffering from back pain, 
pregnant women, no, or people who snow or have sleep apnea, and all the people uh, all benefit from most from sight sleeping. Now these people I just mentioned, if they try this out, they're gonna be very, it's gonna be they gonna benefit from it as well. Now pregnant women are advised to sleep on the side with their knees bent. On your side with a cushion or blanket placed between your knees is the ideal sleeping posture for lower back pain. Back or neck discomfort suffers my, sufferers might find relief from their symptoms by sleeping on their sides. Now, a pillar's loft or thickness should correspond to the space between your neck and shoulder. By using a thicker pillow, you can reduce stiffness and soreness while sleeping on your side and keep your neck in good alignment with your spine. Now, people... Uh, um, best routine to follow for a good night's sleep um, is just to practice this, huh? and um, to uh, to go. To, I mean, uh, if someone hasn't tried this out, if someone is just uh, never s slept in this position, it's it just you know it's taking a few times. It's gonna take a few times as well. Um, it's as I said, this is something we need to practice in the end as well. It's not really. Uh, um, Difficult, of course. It's very easy. So I said, listen, um, sleeping can help. Sleeping can also um, relieve the back pain as well, and can also relieve other um, major um, problems. Um, now, as you know, why we're sleeping, we use also pillows and. Pillars support the neck while allowing your head to drop further to reduce neck pain. Good options include pillars made of memory foam or pillows with the with a head divert. It is an alternative you can use a flutter cushion for your head and roll a cloth beneath your neck. Aim to keep your arms in similar position because uh, uh, when you are sleeping on your back. For instance, it is better it is better to have both by your sides rather than one resting on your forehead because the unevenness is the spine in the spine might lead to shoulder or neck problem. One cushion, one use cushions to raise your upper back so you are more upright and avoid collapsing your spine if you have allergies or stuffy nose. By adopting this posture, you can maintain an open airway and possibly empty your nose. Be careful not to lay flat on your back as this can uh, excavate nasal. Congestion. So, dear listeners, um, we discussed why sleeping on your side on your back is good, but why is sleeping on your stomach not so good? Why is not advice? Why are people not using this? No, it strains the spine because the spine is thought as a conduit for the nerves. Stress on it can lead to discomfort throughout the body and greater stress on the rest of your body structure. Additionally, it causes unpleasant feelings like tingling. And numbness. Okay, there is something you know, again. I didn't know about that. Um, it causes neck pain as well. The twist, this twist your neck, which throws your spine and head of out of a position, causes serious harm. After only one night, you probably won't notice any damage, but over time, the issue will undoubtedly become clear. So, dear listeners, again, you see those who think that sleeping on your stomach is much more comfortable. It is not. It's causing harm to your neck as well. Um, 
And the best, as we just discussed, the best way of sleeping is sleeping on your side or sleeping on your back. And uh, again, I uh, just advise, uh, again, uh, or not advise, but as mentioned by the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, you should sleep on your back and or, you know, on your side rather than sleeping on your stomach. Um, you know, uh, sleep is, as I said, one of the things that should come naturally, and for many, it does. However, for some individuals, a restless night is the routine. Our bodies requires a tranquil rest and relaxation, prayed in order to revitalize themselves. Mm, recent research, the listeners has shown that sleep pay, plays a role in uh, consolidating memories in the mind. If you don't get sufficient sleep, you may find it difficult to retrieve information learned from the previous day. So especially for those who are students who think that if they stay up longer, uh, only to pass the exam or preparing for the exam, um, remember sleeping is very important as well. And you shouldn't um, neglect that. Now, how much sleep is basically required? This is very important as well. Now, the demand of sleep, each person needs depends on many factors, including age. Now, infants generally need about 16 hours a day, while teenagers need about 9 hours. Now, for more, for most adults, experts generally recommend at least 7 to 8 hours for uninterrupted sleep per night. Now, the amount, dear listener, the amount of sleep a person requires also increases if a person has been deprived of sleep in previous days. Now, getting too little sleep creates a sleep debt, and eventually your body will demand that the debt be repaired. Now, it normally takes 10 to 30 minutes to fall asleep once you climb into the bed. If it takes more than this, then your body may be trying to tell you something. The first step here would be to try to improve your sleep hygiene, which brings you to a question, what is sleep hygiene? Now, listen, while the word hygiene conjures up images of brushing teeth, washing hands and grooming hair, but, sleeps, but sleep hygiene is different. It is a variety of different practices and behaviors that are necessary to have a good night's sleep, resulting in full daytime alertness. And uh, um, of course, um, the listeners make good sleep a priority. This is very important. I, I know sleeping is always something we, we, we just enjoy. The only thing we have to do is close the eyes and just to focus, not to think about something else. So, um, what is what is a good sleep priority? So, block out seven hours for, f for full interrupted sleep. Develop sleep-promoting slow bedtime routine. Do the same thing in the same order to cue your body and mind to slow down and relax. And try to maintain regularity. Set and stick to a bedtime schedule. Sleep at the time, same time every night and wake up at the same time every day so to set you uh, circadian rhythm. In other words, your body internal or biological clock. This includes weekends and holidays too. And something very difficult for a few people, especially in the weekends. When you are up very late, it brings disturbance into the routine as well. And uh, um, also, dear listeners, before you go to sleep, try to um, avoid alcohol, coffee, soft drinks, chocolates, and nicotine boost. Uh, you know, because they 
are to also um, bring disturbance into uh, the regularity as well into the routine you have made for sleeping and of course even the place where you're sleeping you should look after that place as well now remember the listeners if you want to sleep very well if you want to sleep in a good position if you want to sleep without pain make sure that the place where you're sleeping is good as well um so try sleep in a slightly cool room as this helps the temperature in the brain to drop and helps you fall asleep quicker most importantly don't ever go to bed angry as this will not only feed the mind which raising doubts but will negatively affect relationship and cause persistent sleep disturbance um the listeners of islam if you know in, in the holy quran if you study the holy quran regarding a muslim Allah has used this phrase of Qazmeenul Ghais, someone who just, let's say, someone who just ignored the anger, or someone who, yeah, just try to ignore the anger. Uh, and uh, this is, uh, you know, ang- be angry, it's very important that if someone is angry, someone is, you know, struggling to f- fight peace in the mind, he should concentrate and, um, I don't know, maybe drink a glass of water as well. You should do something not to go angry, or uh, on on uh, on uh, not to sleep angry, or not um because um uh it causes harm, disruption as well for on your routine as well. And uh, dear listeners, as I said, uh, normally you will fall asleep in the next ten to thirty minutes. But if not, if you haven't fallen asleep within thirty minutes. Um, of getting to bed or have woken up and finding it difficult to fall asleep. The advice is to get up, go to another room, in a dim light, try to meditate. Take in deep belly breaths, don't use electronics and definitely not food. Only when you feel sleepish, you should return to bed. And that way your brain can actually really end your association between the bed, bed being a place of sleep rather than a place to stay awake. And uh, the listeners, uh, normally we 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 ta- normally people sleep on the night, but it is also good to have a power nap. Now pe- people are working very hard, and they can be very stressful as well. There can be many reasons why they is stressful. So to avoid the stress or to get to re reboost your energy, just get a power nap, a short sleep session during the day. Ideally, between 1 to 3 p.m., which should last no longer than 30 minutes, can help you recharge and improve mood and performance. Any longer than 30 minutes, and you run the risk of developing sleep inertia. The unpleasant muzzy feeling that takes a considerable amount of time to shake off. Even the, the, even the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, he would practice that as well. He would go... Um, uh, he, he, he would... Go to sleep um, during the day as well. You would have a siesta. Uh, And he would also um, advise this to his companions as well. Just, you know, as I said, 30 minutes minutes, are actually very fine. And uh, 
therefore um, it's a good it's a good habit if you have uh, if you have developed that you have this um, power nap and of course the listeners before you go to bed avoid large meals two to three hours before you go to bed try eating a salad or drinking a protein rich smoothie at night as this keeps your digestive system at ease and helps you fall asleep quicker and keeps an addiction at bay also avoid consuming large amounts of water close to bedtime for obvious reasons <laughs> limit yourself to simply simple healthy and lighty snacks like nuts or seeds when starting late at night <clears throat> no dear listeners just try to exercise to promote good quality sleep exercising during the day forces sleeps at night make physical activity a regular part of your life 15 to 20 minutes of aerobic exercise such as bricks walking or cycling can positively affect sleep quality uh, especially drastically reducing the time you take to fall asleep however exercising too close to bedtime may keep you wired and make it difficult to settle down so always delicious keep a three hours gap between your exercise and sleep time if you are planning to work out in late evenings more relaxing exercises like yoga with uh, can help unwind real quick so delicious exercise is very important as well something we should do every day and uh, before you do so um, remember don't do it close bedtime do exercise but don't do it close bedtimes Uh, this affects your sleeping routine as well. And if you find you, you are stressing over all the things you have to do, write down in a sleep journal. And uh, this, you know, this will help you as well. So, dear listeners, um, as I said, there are many, many reasons why we should sleep, uh, well, why we should follow the routine we have. Listen, we will discuss this topic furthermore. Uh, so stay with us. We will be back after a short break. Allah, Allah. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful, dear listeners, welcome back to the Breakfast Show. My name is Shahmin Ahmed, and uh, we are here broadcasting for life from the biggest mosque of Britain, from the Battle of Two Mosques in London. Um, and we are talking about the best sleeping position and also why sleep is so important for us. Um, the listeners, um, I just said, um, before you go to sleep, don't have any uh, kind of drinks like alcohol, fizzy drinks, etc. Three to four hours prior to you go to bed. And of course, um, do not exercise close bedtime as well. Of course, exercise is very important, though, but do not do it uh, before uh, uh, sleeping time. And of course, Siesta, have a siesta, it's very important as well during the day, after a very heartful day, something which, also, which is also practiced by the, was practiced by the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and it's also practiced in a few countries as well, I remember when I went to Spain, these people would have the routine for siesta as well, for at least an hour, they would go to bed during the day, so listeners, dear listeners, it is normal to have an occasional sleepless night, Yes, this happens to everyone. But 
if you find that it's becoming a routine, then of course you should consider seeing a therapist to sort out deeper reason behind sleepless night. Now, you know, frequent sleep disturbance and daytime sleepiness are the most telling signs of poor sleep hygiene. In addition, if you're taking too long to fall asleep, you should consider re-evaluation your sleep habits. You may be having conflict that you are unaware of, which might be preventing you from sleeping peacefully. Uh, the best thing is the therapist, who can help you develop a plan to address its causes and therapy help you accomplish a good night's sleep every night. This is, uh, as I said, one of the best things we have in this world is to sleep, just to relax, just to you know switch off everything, and uh, to boost up your energy. And um, even in the Holy Quran, God has said that the most, most important thing is the God has said in the Holy Quran that the night is said so we can rest and uh, the body needs rest um, it doesn't matter how um, much exercise you do how much you can run how much muscle you have how much weight you can you have um, still every person as well needs sleep every person as well needs to gain that booster and that energy he needs for an adult, this is important that he does, that he sleeps at least six hours a day. For a newborn, of course, sixteen hours. But maintain that sleep routine as well. Try to sleep in a cool, um, clean place. And uh, while sleeping, dear listeners, try to sleep on your back or on a, on your side. Uh, this is very healthy as well. Uh, it will relieve back pain as well. And if you sleep on your stomach, as I said, it's a saying of the early prophet, peace be upon him, that sleeping on your stomach is very harmful for your, pain, uh, for your back also, and also for your um, heart. And so therefore, dear listeners, find a good sleeping position, a healthy sleeping position as well. Make sure that whoever's in, in your house in your environment that they have also a good sleeping position as well um stay healthy as well of course uh, and uh, try to have a siesta during the very heartful day as well because this again helps you as well to accomplish more things during the day um the listeners um we are coming to very close to the eight o'clock news um if you want to be a part of the show you can do so anytime you can call in at at oh two oh eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight or you can tweet us at Voice of Islam. We'll be back after the 8 o'clock news. You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful, dear listeners, welcome back to Voice of Islam Radio. My name is Shahmin Ahmed, and we are still talking about the best sleeping position. I think everyone will agree with me that sleeping is one of the best things we can do during uh, the night time. It's uh, very relaxing as well. The only thing we have to do is just to lay down and to sh- uh, close our eyes. Um, we have talked about different sleeping positions as well and why they are beneficial or harmful for us. Um, the listeners, but I'm very delighted now to have someone on the line who is an expert to explain us about this phenomenon furthermore. His name is James Leinhardt and he is the CEO of Levitex. Uh, James, good morning and welcome to the Breakfast Show. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, doing great. Thank you. I hope you have you had a healthy sleep today. Uh, tonight yeah. as well. 
Um, James, um, you are the CEO of Levitex. Before I'm, I'm, I come to the, the actual questions, I just want to know, what is Levitex? Uh, Levitex, we founded in 2016, um, and our business is really a mission to educate the world on the importance of sleep posture and provide people with the tools with which to improve it. Okay, so you have done your research regarding of this. So um, what is the conclusion? What's the best sleeping position? Well, in, 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 according to the research that we've done and the very limited body of evidence that exists, we know for sure that lying on your side in a semi-fetal position puts the least amount of tension through your spine. And I suppose it's really a case of how to optimize and maintain a position for longer um, when we really go for things like comfort. Uh, and quite often comfort is not, not necessarily the best thing for us. Okay. And um, so... Um, uh, when you, uh, according to your knowledge, um, what are the worst positions to sleep and why? For sure, we, we really fight against people sleeping on their stomachs. Mm-hmm. Um, if you think about, you know, if, if I imagine suggesting to your audience that they watch television looking all the way to their left for the whole night, um, you know, you're twisting your neck mm. all the way left or all the way right, and then gravity is pulling your body weight down through the night. And it really can cause severe problems for your neck, for your lower spine, you know, your lumbar spine. So it's really something to be avoided on every level. Um, James, you know, sometimes people, are, those who are suffering from back pain, they also try to sleep on the floor uh, only because they believe this is good for your back. I mean, I don't know about that. Maybe you can tell us if it's good or not to sleep on the floor. Well, I think the thing is that people are often confused to um, when they're wanting to buy a mattress, for example, that it should be soft and comfortable. But actually, we really need a solid, stable base of support, which is why I suspect a lot of people sleep on the floor. And so really, when you're thinking about your lying surface, you need to consider pressure relief. It needs to be comfortable so that the floor may be no good, but also it needs to consider posture. Mm-hmm. So if you're lying on something really soft and you're sinking into it, then it's not looking after your spine. So I really, I can understand why people sleep on the floor, uh, but I don't think it's a long-term solution. I understand. Um, James, you know, um, now you are telling, you have to explain us about the sleeping position, and maybe some of the listeners will say, oh, I'm the one who's sleeping actually on his be- uh, on his belly. So what can he do? I mean, it's very difficult maybe sometimes for, for a few people to change the position. Uh, what is the best advice you can give to people to improve Uh, or to change um, or to maintain a healthy sleep position? Well, I think uh, the first thing to note is that really your sleeping position is a sleep association, much like some people need music on the uh, when they go to sleep or my son, for example, always has a fan. Even mm. in the winter, he has a fan because that whirring noise is familiar. Mm-hmm. So people are used to a sleeping position and also they find it comfortable. And, and really comfort is just what our body is used to. So whilst you might be comfortable in the immediate, it's going to very quickly become painful, which is why, you know, a lot of people, you know, will say that they toss and turn in bed. Um, But the transition from stomach sleeping to side sleeping isn't actually that difficult. And it should be something that you, you know, you do over a period of time. Nobody's expecting you to make these huge changes straight away. But if you can go to sleep, the only thing that we we can work on is the position we go to sleep. What happens after that? you know we can't control so for example you might um, when you're lying on your side Mm. if you used to lie on your stomach I would recommend that you hug a pillow because when you're hugging the pillow not only is it going to support the position you're in 
you're not likely to, in your night's sleep, roll over the pillow. I would also recommend, if you're sleeping on your side, that you put a pillow between your knees and ankles mm -hmm. to support the distance between your hips. So if you imagine sitting in a chair, and we're very familiar with ergonomic seating and good daytime sitting posture, well, just translate that exact same position in your ergonomic chair, flip onto your side on the bed, and then really all you need to do is put a pillow between your legs and a pillow that fits the distance between your earlobe and scapula to keep your head supported, and then you should be able to maintain that position for longer. And, and I suppose the point is that there is a linear relationship between having what we call a neutral resting spine. So you've fallen asleep, your spine is in a resting state. And if it is in a neutral position, there is a linear relationship between that position and the quality of your sleep, which means to say that you can significantly improve the quality of your sleep. Whereas when you're talking about quantity, how many hours you get, it's so much more difficult to control. You know, I, for example, have four children, I have two dogs. I have my own business. There are a million reasons why I might not sleep. But when I am asleep, I can really very significantly impact the quality purely down to the position I go to sleep in. And, and, and really what I'm preaching is not a new story. You know, uh, this has been, this has been uh, described for thousands of years. You know, this is, uh, this is something, you know, in terms of following the sunnah, uh, this is exactly uh, what 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 you're taught, correct? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, right. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, James. Uh, few people sometimes have um, a bad sleeping routine, especially youngsters. You know, who try to uh, try to wake up, uh, to try to stand awake late night as well, watching movies or going out with friends and coming home very late. Um, they don't have any any routine they basically follow, especially in the holidays or weekends. Um, what is the, your advice? Um, what is the best uh, when it comes to day routine? How should one get to bed at night to ensure optimal sleep hygiene? Well, I think the one of the main things is to have a consistent routine. So the, the routine should be the same every day, even at the weekends. You know, um, having a lie-in doesn't really do much. But there's very little research to say it's beneficial. So to go to bed at the same time every day, go to wake up at the same time every day, use your bed to sleep. You know, any arguments should be outside of the bedroom. Watching television should be outside of the bedroom. The bedroom should be a sanctuary for sleep. Um, ambient room temperature. Don't drink mm. coffee late at night. Don't eat late at night. Don't exercise late at night. But the main thing is to stick to a consistent routine that your body starts to remember. Uh, uh, James, you just mentioned coffee as well. Um, because I remember uh, during the study, uh, student time, I used to do that as well. I'm I'm sh pretty sure people are still doing it to use energy drinks or coffee to stay awake. Is using energy drinks, especially energy, drinks, harmful for um, the body, especially if it comes to sleep uh, routine? And uh, would you recommend using these things? I think that you know we 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 address sleep in such the wrong way. You know we're trying. How do we stay awake? And we're drinking these terrible drinks, high mm. sugar, uh, you know, sugar crashes due to the, to the drinks. Actually, let's address, uh, you know, why, why do we feel we have to stay up so late? Actually, you know, there's a time for work and there's a time for rest. And, it, and it's significant. We do, we sleep, you know, on average, a human lives for 79 years. We work for 13 years. We go to school for mm. one year. We sleep for 26 and we try to get to sleep for seven years of our lives on average. So this is okay. the thing that we do more than anything else. 
and yet it's the thing that we give the least respect to. You know, when you're thinking about your well-being, everyone's concerned of exercise. That's one year of your life. Or nutrition, that's four years of your life. What about this huge, <laughs> significant piece? It changed your life. No, exactly. <laughs> you're right with that. Um, James, be- uh, before you go, um, you're also um, very active on social media where uh, you share your content with other people and you have a good number of followers. But where can we find you and what's the, the content you actually present to the people? Ah, so we, 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 we seem to be very popular on TikTok. We have our, our account is Levitex and the same on Instagram. And really, if, you know, if we're going to be true to our mission, it's not about selling products and these things. It's mm. about educating the world. So we provide short-form educational content to give people ideas and tips how to sleep, how to transition from their stomach to their side, the impact of sleeping on your stomach, what happens if you're a pregnant woman, uh, suffering with arthritis as you get older, all mm. these sorts of things that are coming. And there's so little research and evidence and information about sleep. We know that you need it. How do you get it? That's the big question. No, that's that's uh, true. Now it's very interesting uh, what you are sharing with the people. Uh, you already has mentioned very interesting things in, in this interview. So, dear listeners, if you want to mo- learn more about it, Instagram or TikTok, Levitech is the name, and I'm sure you will learn more things about that topic. James, thank you for joining, and I wish you all the best for the future. Thank you. Take care. Have a you good too. day. You too. Bye. 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 Dear listeners. Um, 020-86-87787 is the number if you want to take part in, of, in this discussion as well and if you want to tell us well, what sleep position you actually use and what you have learned in the last 45 minutes about sleeping and about sleep, uh, positions James has mentioned many many good things as well what informative things as well let us know uh, what is changed now for you or will you change uh, for you sleep and uh, you can tweet us anytime at voice of some UK Meanwhile, we will um, listen now to a short clip, and after a short clip, we'll be back. So stay tuned. Human mind is fully equipped with all the recipient uh, system of prophecy or communion from God. If it were not, God will not be able to commune with, with you. He transmits, and you must receive. So the receiving set is provided in, you know, to every human being. Whether it is of high quality or low quality, it varies from person to person, but it is provided. Now, if there is no message from God, can this system be activated otherwise by other factors or not? This is the second question which should be answered. To my knowledge, yes, this system can be activated through human uh, inf- uh, power, the, 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 through the power of human mind as well. This we have observed in mesmerism, this we have observed in the case of uh, Pharaoh's magician working on the minds of Moses and other people and making them imagine that they are snakes and not uh, ropes or strings. And according to Allah, this was their magic by which they bound the sights of the people. They didn't turn the ropes into, into snakes at all. So the power of mind working upon other minds is a proof of, what I'm, a, a proof of the truth of what I'm telling you. 
we have that system within us which can be activated and one can receive messages from outside by other human agencies. If so, why can't we receive messages from Allah? That's one thing. The second is, if there are no outside messages delivered, we can receive the messages from within ourselves. And there's an internal activation of the system. That is the world of dreams. All that we think, all that we feel, our aspirations, our hopelessness, our disgust with things and so on and so forth, disappointments, fears, all continue to get buried below and below, you know, layer after layer in the subconscious mind. And whenever some stirring event takes place, which excites some layer of our buried knowledge and memory, they are stirred to action and rise to a higher level. Like uh, in, in uh, you know, atomic molecular phenomenon, whenever the electrons of a lower orbit are excited, they change their orbit and go to higher, until they reach the highest and then they become visible, then they become active. Not otherwise, otherwise you don't need to take notice of them. So similarly, human ideas are in latent dormant stage form, buried under the layers upon layers of other subsequent incidents and their memories. But when there is some uh, exciter, a factor which excites things, then they begin to rise to the surface and they reach the surface of dreams. Then the dreams are not fully organized. Very well, very, very much informatic. Um, and the listeners, you just listened to the fourth caliph of the Ahmadi Muslim community, and he basically explained how something God's communicate during the sleep as well. So, this is something another very different point of that as well of this topic that during the sleep, sometimes we go to in connection with God as well. And it's, it's very important, very uh, uh, informatic as well. The listeners sleep is something we need to do. We have to do it. It's not something we can refrain from it. It comes. Even though if we try to refrain from it, it will come, definitely. Uh, it is harmful if we try to refrain from that. Uh, we should have a healthy sleep as well. Um, you, you just listened to James. Uh, James Leinhardt, which is the CEO of Levitex, and he explained... Uh, the importance of that and gave us advice for how what the best sleeping position is uh, I, I just went to social media and I tried to um, find him and I realized he's actually quite famous as well into that and uh, the Levitex is the name he's uh, active on uh, uh, Instagram and TikTok and uh, he has a big number of uh, mem- um, people who are following as well so the content is very informatic as well if you want to learn more about it, Levitech is the name, Instagram or TikTok, you can find him. And of course, dear listeners, um, if you want to let us know what you have learned today during the last 45 minutes, you can do so. You can call at any time, 020-86-877-878 is the number, or you can tweet us at Voice of Islam UK. We will come now to our next segment, which is also very informatic and it's very important as well. It's about global food crisis. And... 
why and when tons of food is wasted each year. Uh, the listeners regarding food or regarding eating, um, Islam has provided guidance in this case as well. And he has said in his, the importance of food and why we should not waste the food as well. The listeners, um, therefore, if you want to learn more about this, uh, more about Islamic teaching in regards of this matter, stay tuned with the uh, voice of some radio. We'll be back after a short break. What do Muslims believe about past prophets and scriptures? Two of the six articles of faith for a Muslim are to believe in the prophets of God and to believe in the divine scriptures. Therefore, Muslims believe that all prophets were sent by God and that the scriptures in their original form were divine revelations that amongst other things taught the absolute unity of God. According to the Holy Quran, God has sent his messengers to every nation. It states, there is no people to whom a warner has not been sent. Chapter 35, verse 25. And for every people there is a messenger. Chapter 10, verse 48. Some prophets have been mentioned in the Holy Quran itself, such as Adam, Abraham, David, Solomon, Moses, Jesus, and Muhammad, peace be upon them all. Other prophets not mentioned in the Holy Quran by name include Zoroaster, Krishna and Confucius, peace be on them all, to name but a few. As mentioned previously, Muslims not only believe in all the earlier prophets, but also in the revelations and scriptures given to those prophets by God. In the Holy Quran itself, reference is made to four revealed books other than the Holy Quran. These are Suhuf, Scriptures of Abraham, peace be upon him, in chapter 87, verse 20. Of the Suhuf of Abraham, Nothing is known today. These scriptures were probably never recorded in writing. Torah, the Torah of Moses, peace be upon him, chapter 3, verse 4. The Torah comprises the first five books of the Hebrew Bible and contains the complete law for the Israelites. These five books are Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The Torah was passed down the generations by the word of mouth and was finally recorded in writing some hundreds of years after Moses, peace be upon him. Zabur, the Psalms of David, peace be upon him, in chapters 4, verse 164. Very little is known today of Zabur, or the revelations of prophet David, peace be upon him. In the Hebrew Bible, there are many Psalms, sacred songs or hymns, attributed to David, peace be upon him, which may constitute part of the Zabur. Injil, or the Gospel of Jesus Christ, peace be upon him, Chapter 5, verse 47. The Injil, or Gospel, was revealed to the Prophet Jesus, peace be upon him, but was not recorded during his lifetime. After his death, attempts were made to record his teachings in writing. Of many such narratives, four were selected by the early church as official accounts of the teachings of Jesus, peace be upon him. These four versions of the Gospel are known today as the Gospels of Matthew, Luke, Mark and John. However, there are other Gospels that are not included in the Bible that also contain important information about the life and teachings of Jesus, peace be upon him. With the exception of the Holy Quran, none of the real books retained their original form. Let us make a resolution. Let us make this resolution to promote the message of peace and brotherhood, which is your message to mankind, that 
people of different religions should not quarrel and fight with each other, but should accept and tolerate and live together in that spirit of brotherhood and peace, which is the essence of your religion. Ever since man walked on the face of the earth, there have been over 15,000 major wars that have killed close to 4 billion people. Though impossible to calculate accurately, it is estimated that since the beginning of our recorded history, the world has known only about 300 years of peace. Each leader in the world desires to find a lasting solution to the issue that has plagued our beautiful planet centuries over centuries. There have been many movements, conferences, organizations and NGOs all over the world that promote the idea of world peace, but peace on earth has continued to be just an aspiration. Khilafat Ahmadiyya is the heavenly institution that was prophesied by the peace-loving Prophet Muhammad History has shown that whenever the world suffers disorder and injustice, a spiritually guided man stands up and advises the world on how to achieve peace through the heavenly teachings of Islam. A new station, the Voice of Islam, with live discussions, religion and culture. Understand the true teachings of Islam with the Voice of Islam. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. In the name of Allah, the most gracious of merciful listeners, welcome back to the breakfast show. We have just discussed about sleeping position. What is the best sleeping position? Now, from sleeping position, we will come to another very important topic, which is about global food crisis and when tons of food is wasted each year. Dear listeners, food is something very important for us. We need food, we need drinks, we need those vitamins. It um, take uh, It is uh, beneficial for us, for the body as well. But unfortunately, we have seen this, that f- a lot of food is wasted. A lot of food which could be consumed or which could be provided to those people who are unfortunately not wealthy or can't afford food. Now, I'll just read out the gist of the story. The world produces enough for every living being, yet there's a global hunger. This is because nearly one-third of all the food produced is squandered or spoiled before it can be consumed. For many in the first world, food waste happens in the kitchen. When we prepare food, that is left uneaten or spoiled in our fridges and cabinets. For millions of people in low-income countries, this food waste happens at harvest time. Due to lack of technology and advancement, there is a poor storage which leads to pest infestations or mold running the crops before they can be eaten. Along with chronic poverty, conflict and natural disaster, food waste is one of the root causes for hunger worldwide. According to the UN, Food and Agriculture Organization FAO, reviving this trend would preserve enough food to feed 2 billion people. That's more than twice the number of undernourished people across the globe. What if, what efforts are being made by the government of the first world countries to address this? Let's see what they have 
made or what plan or they have advised. Um, Jenny says, uh, as I said, food is very important. It's something we sh- shouldn't waste. Um, we will discuss this and we will also discuss this from the Islamic perspective, what Islam says in regards of this. Um, but before we go, so um, let's see what the financial cost of food waste is annually. So as I said, um, nearly one third of all food produced each year is squandered or spoiled before it can be consumed. Now, dear listeners, for, my, for many, many Americans, this food waste happens in the kitchen. For millions of people in low-income countries, this food waste happens at harvest time. Now, poor storage leads to pest infestations or mold that ruin crops before they can be eaten. Now, approximately $1 trillion worth of food is lost or wasted every year. That's a huge amount of number. I'm very sad. Um, in the Holy Quran, um, God hath that. In chapter 41, verse 11, He placed the firm mountains rising above its surface and blessed it with abundance and provided therein its food in proper measure in four days. Now, when it comes to provided its food in proper measures, signify that the earth is fully capable of providing food for all the creatures that live in. Now, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, he never ate chapati or lamb because in his time it was expensive and a delicacy. So the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, also used to say that when food gets dropped, then you should remove the part which is dirty and eat the rest so not to leave it for Satan. He also commanded that you wipe your plates as in eat and completely finish the meal and stated that you do not know which part of the food contains blessings for you. Listen, as I said, um, the, we will discuss this in Islamic perspective as well. And if it comes to food waste, Islam is definitely against it. We were told that um, wasting food is an Islam, un-Islamic um, habit. And the Prophet, peace be upon him, uh, he would eat in this sense that he wouldn't f- uh, fill up his stomach, but he would leave a bit out so he could do more work. So he wouldn't eat so much. But he wouldn't eat less as well. He would eat in a good manner so he could do more work as well. It's important that we shouldn't fill up our bellies. Otherwise, we'll become lazy as well. Um, the listeners, wasting food. And we see that every day. We see it in the streets or, or somewhere else. That food is wasted. It's just dropping them um, in the bin. But remember why we're doing this. Remember those people who can't afford food. And uh, instead of wasting food, instead of buying so much, why not all giving money in charity? Uh, so you can help yourself, but also those people in need. Um, we have the listeners, uh, something, I, something I don't want to discuss, but I have to mention it. As you know, it's a war happen, happening between Russia and Ukraine. Now, people believe... Uh, People say this is contributing to global hunger. Now, Russia's war in Ukraine is preventing grain from leaving the bread bread basket of the world and making food more expensive across the globe, threatening to worsen shortage, hunger and potential instability in developing in developing countries. Now, together, Russia and Ukraine export nearly a third of the world's wheat and barely more than seventy percent of its sunflower oil and are big suppliers of corn. Russia is a top global fertilizer 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 producer. Typically, ninety percent of wheat and other grain from Ukraine's field are shipped 
to world markets by sea, but have been held up by Russian blockades of the sea of the Black Sea coast. Now, as it is, as I said, Islam is a religion who tells us not to waste food. And even the Holy Quran in chapter 6 and verse 142, Allah says, And he it is who brings into being gardens, trellised and untrellised, and the date palm and cornfields, whose fruits are of the wise kind, and the olive and the pomegranate, alike and unlike. Eat, eat of the fruit of which one bears fruit, but pay his due on the day of harvest, and exceeded not the bones. Surely Allah loves not those who exceeded the bones. The listeners, um, this is something we will discuss furthermore, uh, what Islam says in this. Um, but before we go, I just want to know, I just want to tell what the difference is between food waste and food loss. Now, food loss is, is that f food which is damaged as it moves through the supply chain. And food waste, um, I believe food waste is that is thrown away. Now, food waste and food loss have a significant impact on global warming as well. When wasted food goes to the landlift, it roots and emits greenhouse gases that damage our environment. Each year, 3 billion tons of greenhouse gases are emitted because of food waste. So, as global warming is one of the major, um, let's say, problems we're facing nowadays, so to reduce this as well, uh, we should not waste our food as well. <laughs> now, the first caliph of the Ahmadi Muslim community, Hazrat Tahir wrote that Islam established minimum rights in the form of our four-point charter by defining the basic needs which a state should pr produce. Food, clothing, water and shelter. Governments have both national and international responsibilities. These responsibilities on the national level are to, to fulfill the best needs of each member of society by ensuring that all are fed quality, clothed and provided with water and shelter. The international duty is to fully participate in pulling resources to meet the challenge of wide-scale natural disaster or man-made calamities to, to, and to help such countries as are by themselves incapable of appropriately handling the crisis. As such, it is a duty of the state to set the matter right by transferring back to the beggars and poor people what truly belongs to them. In the perspective of the Holy Prophet of Islam, the best of Islam is that give food and express the greetings of peace upon the one, known or unknown to you. So he you can see that the Holy Prophet even, he promoted that we should share our food as well. And not sharing the food, but also calling for peace as well. This is something, you know, two important matters in Islam, which is, are discussed very highly in the Holy Quran as well, that first of all, don't waste your food. If you have much food, then share it with other people as well. Share it with your neighbors. And then, of course, also very important, to maintain peace or to um, express peace or, yeah, simply to promote peace. So, dear listeners, this is, you know, the simple picture of the Holy Prophet, how he lived. He would share his food as well, and he would also promote peace in the society, but uh, and he would also advise his companions to do so the same thing. Um, of course, um, uh, dear listeners, uh, uh, it is not just... Um, 
it is not, it is of course not a simple thing. It is very important that um we try to help people as well. We try humanity as well. And giving food, giving out food is one of the best things we can do as well. Um, as I said, um, one of the biggest problems we're facing right now is um, the food wasting. And uh, um, Islam also uh, tells us that, or is telling us to challenge uh, these people who are wasting food, to tell them not to do so. Um, we, we see in different kind of this planet people are still suffering from that and uh, so therefore islam is a religion who will tell us not to waste food but to give out food to help people in need um i remember uh um, the fourth caliph of islam says there are hundreds of thousands of people without shelter and those who have to dip into dustbins to find some crap of food to satiate the hunger uh, he said even in England and the United States of America. So he observed these things and uh, he, he also promoted and told people, listen up, go out, share your food. He promoted the saying of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him as well, which again I would uh, say that provide, give food out to people in need and exercise the greetings of peace as well quite often. Um... Dear listeners, um, as I said, this is something Islam has promoted as well, not to waste food and to give our food to people as well. Um, while discussing this now on an Islamic perspective, I'm very delighted to let you know that we have someone online. His name is Imam Ibrahim Nonan from Ireland. Um, Imam Ibrahim Nonan is the mission in charge of Ireland. He graduated with the BA honors in both Christian and Islamic theology and philosophy. He studied intercultural theology and interreligious studies at Trinity College, Dublin. He graduated with uh, MP Hull in philosophy at Trinity College, Dublin, and he's currently a candidate for a PhD. Imam Ibrahim Monan. Good morning. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Peace and blessings of Allah be with you and welcome to the breakfast show. Salam um, for having me. Um, uh, no, I appreciate that you have taken out your time. Um, you know, uh, we we're talking about food waste, and we just want to know what Islam tells us about this matter. Now, according to Islamic teachings, how does one approach the issue of global hunger? Well, um, I mean, you know, the amazing thing about Islam, I would like to point out to our listeners and indeed ourselves, um, particularly with the re reference to the Holy Quran and to the the practice of the Holy Prophet, which is on him. There's a lot to be said on this, and there's a lot has been said about it uh, 15, you know, 1,500 years ago. So from an Islamic perspective, um, I mean, you'll find, for example, where Almighty Allah, Almighty God, uh, in the Quran in chapter seven, verse thirty-two, mentions um, he addresses children of Adam, and that's the one point I want to make. Mm. Whenever Almighty Allah addresses children of Adam, he's talking to the whole of humanity. Mm -hmm. Okay, so he mentions uh, in this particular verse of Quran, children of Adam, put your minds and bodies in a state of tidiness at every time and place of worship, and eat and drink, but be 
not wasteful, surely it is not loved the wasteful. So from the very outset, um, he's addressing mankind. And he's telling mankind not to be wasteful uh, with food, to be conscious of food and be aware of food and appreciate food. And in fact, the Holy Prophet, Titi Panam, also in many places commented on this. But one of them that I noted over the years, which really kind of, um, you could say, um, I admired when he said that the dish most acceptable in the sight of Allah is the one which is shared by many. So on two sides, we are being told by Islam not to be wasteful of food, to be conscious of food, and on the other side, we are told that the best food that you will eat is what you share with other people. And that can be locally, that can be family, that can be local community, that can be internationally. It's, 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 it's sharing each other's uh, um, uh, troubles, uh, towards uh, you know uh, charitable events and things like that, helping others in need, and particularly in homelessness and uh, people who may be starving in, in famines in various countries. That's then, um, Imam uh, Ibrahim Nolan, um, you know, as an MD Muslim, and we say that uh, we believe also, and we try to promote the teaching of Islam to the world. Um, in regard of this matter, can you enlighten us from the Islamic, from the Quranic, from Quranic verses, or from the saying of the early Prophet peace be upon him, or from course of the Caliph, in uh, how to um, uh, beat world hunger or how to prevent food wastages, and uh, well, how can we like how can we understand the importance of this issue in, in regards of the Islamic perspective? Well, the thing is that, you know, um, we're living in modern times, where we're living in social media, we're living in a global village. We are very, very aware as a, as a race of human beings uh, what's going on. So it's not a case that we don't know that there are certain nations and people who are starving, literally starving to death. For example, Yemen is an example, lots of places in Africa. And unfortunately, uh, I'm sure you're well aware that now even in the United Kingdom, in Ireland, there are now people on below borderline, uh, you know, not getting regular food even in their homes. I mean, I've seen it myself in Dublin City, where I saw um, a huge amount of line, a huge line of people Uh, the food banks in Dublin City. Now, these are people who are not homeless. These are people who just simply cannot afford food now. So now the people are starving at home. So, as I, went, as I said, as mentioned earlier already, we're, you know, being Ahmadis, um, Muslims, and we belong to a, an international community worldwide, we are very blessed that we have a spiritual leader. He's only in Ahmad, he's helped the fifth. Uh, Khalifa, fifth successor of the Promised Messiah, he himself has openly quoted in, in many addresses where he addressed the United Nations, where he addressed various other organizations, how to uh, look at and how to tackle um, such things. Now, for example, he's mentioned in, in our community are doing the best that we can with the, uh, to the best of our ability. So we're, we're setting up hospitals, we're setting up um, schools, 
we're doing a lot of, uh, you know, um, uh, humanitarian work in the world where we're bringing food, we're bringing food items, we're bringing all sorts of things to people. And he, you know, he once quoted uh, from the, on that, you know, from the Holy Quran or Hadith that, um, I'm trying to remember it now, but that um, uh, on the Day of Judgment, Allah will ask um, on, be, on behalf of humanity, um, you know, when, when humanity will speak with one voice, I was hungry and you did not feed me, I was thirsty and you did not give me water, and I was sick and you did not comfort me or you did not look after me. And, and therefore, Hazor was telling us, as first as a human race, as humanity, that we have a responsibility to each other. And as Amadis, our responsibility as an Amadi Muslim to make sure that we're doing what we can in, a, in, in the abilities that we can do. Um, and, you know, that means simply um, uh, whatever we can do to give back to society, that is exactly what we should be doing. So, so basically, well, you know, as far as Amadis are concerned, we should be advising humanity. We should be, we should be advising um, our own countries we live in. Uh, our own government ministers uh, to do be doing more, to be giving, to, to be to helping and giving, and ensuring that people are not starving, people are not um, living on the streets, things like this. It's not like that, um, you know, that there's no food, that there's a food shortage in the world because there isn't a food shortage in the world. Anyone who says there is is not speaking the truth. We have we have ample food 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 uh, supplies. Um, for for the whole of humanity, it's not something that's just going to disappear. So, and um, that's I would say is what Amity should be doing. We should be going out, getting involved in other organisations, guiding other organisations, whether that's um, whether that's United Nations organisations or whether that's Cope or um, um, Save the Children, whatever whatever organisation is doing something. Other than ourselves, we should be going out helping others as well. And um, Imam Ibrahim Imam, um it is sad that uh, the holy month of Ramadan is also trying to explain us that we should not waste food. How can we understand that? What is basically the teaching of Ramadan in regard of this matter? You know, the month of Ramadan is, and I'm not saying this because I'm a Muslim, I'm not saying this because I'm an Ahmadi Muslim. I'm saying this because I remember my first um, fasting in 1992 mm-hmm. during the time of the Bosnian conflict uh, when I was living and working in London before I became um, a missionary imam um, when I was working full-time like every other normal person that we w- would have been working in London at that time. I, I still remember, I still, I still remember actually um, Coming back from my work one evening, it was a winter's evening in London, making my way to the Strand in central London, and I was just breaking my fast. I was in the train station. I bought myself, a, I bought myself a hot chocolate and a donut, and I and I still remember grasping that cup of hot, beautiful hot mm-hmm. chocolate, which was warming me up now. And when I was eating the donut, I, I and these two things reminded me how fortunate I was mm-hmm. to be able to have a, 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 a cup of hot chocolate and a donut where there are people all over the world, even people in UK, even people in Europe were starving. No hot chocolate. No, nothing to warm mm-hmm. themselves up. 
nothing to eat. They didn't know whether they were going to eat in the next 20 minutes, two, three, four days. And so basically, the month of Ramadan simply reminds you uh, of how, how, how thankful you should be mm-hmm. for food and water, how thankful you should be um, for, you know, a warm place. You know, it, it teaches you all these things. It also teaches you empathy for other human beings. I mean, at that moment in time, I remember the first thing that came to my mind were the people and the suffering of the people in Bosnia. I'm not, I'm not talking about Muslims only in Bosnia. I'm talking about the Serbian, Bosnian mm-hmm. Serbs. But, you know, whether they were Christians or non-Christians or Muslims, it was the first thing that came to my mind. And after that came to my mind of Africa and other places that were having problems at that time. So in the month of Ramadan, you're taught many things. One is not to waste food. Appreciate the food that you eat. Mm. Be thankful to Almighty God that you have food. You have you have water. You know, be thankful that um, when you feel the pangs of hunger, because there is a time when, there is a time when you're fasting, you do feel hunger. You do feel you know your body getting weak because uh, your sugar levels are dropping. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, you're cold because your sugar levels are dropping. You should be thankful at each and every moment uh, for what you have. That, that's what the month of the month done. Well, uh, and to give to others and then mm. have empathy for others. That's what I feel the month of Ramadan does for someone who really grasps uh, the significance of it. Well, it's amazing. And I believe the, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, his practice was that he would also fast after the month of Ramadan as well, twice in a week. If I'm not wrong. Yes, I mean, exactly. I mean, yeah, Mondays and Thursdays. People, I mean, I do it myself. So wow. it, it is again a reminder. Mm-hmm. It's a reminder um, to yourself that, and again, like I said, um, I've often said this to young people in our mosques and, and, and anyone I get a chance to speak to about this. When you go home from a day's work or from university or from school, you can come in and you can turn the light on. You can come in, you can open the fridge and there's food in the fridge. You can come home and turn the tap on, you have water. You can come home and uh, put on hot water and take a shower or a bath. You can do all these things. But there are people in the world right now in many places who cannot do those things, who don't know what it means to have a warm bath, who doesn't know what it means whether they drink clean, pure water at all, never mind in the months and weeks. They don't know whether they'll have the next food for the next two, three days. There's children out there starving to death. Mm. I mean, it, it's, it's heartbreaking to, to even think about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I'm pretty sure, and I hope you're aware of this at least, but I, mean, I, I, I did a lot of work with Humanity First, and I've been, I've been into many underground in many places over the years, mm-hmm. and, 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 and I've seen a lot of starvation, I've seen a lot of hunger, I've seen a lot of starvation, I've seen people in these conditions. And so, um, you know, we should be grateful. Really, we should be grateful for for uh, for everything that we have in the West. Indeed, now we should be very grateful for that. Um, Imam, before you go, just one last question. If you can give us, I know you have mentioned a lot of informatic uh, things as well, how to prevent food wasting, but in the end, if you can give us, again, one very important advice, how we can um, help um, preventing uh, food waste, uh, food wasting and how we can uh, help those suffering from food shortage and um, I mean there, there are numbers of ways we can do this I've already mentioned this to you I mean mm. for me right now um, 
one of the ways as Hazrat Khalifa Tul Masih, the mm-hmm. fifth, the, mm-hmm. the fifth successor of the head, the, the head of the, uh, the Yemeni Muslim community, is to try to eradicate. If it can be done enough, can it try to eradicate starvation? Mm-hmm. Try to er- eradicate people in this condition, and it can be done. You know, there was a there was a um, there was a there was a, a report I read many many months ago, maybe a year ago, or so uh, of, a, of a, a professor in California. Um, uh, his name is Mike uh, Banner Lee, and he actually was giving a lecture, uh, basically rebuking humanity, rebuking America, rebuking rebuking the government, basically, right, and the governments around the world who were putting this thing out or this people saying. There's not enough food. The population is growing. We won't be able to feed ourselves. He laughed at them, and he basically said that you know we have enough uh, sufficient food um, for uh, the population of seven, nine times seven something billion up to 2000, uh, up to 2050. Now, why that's important? It shows that there is there is enough food in the world for the whole of humanity. Mm-hmm. What's happening is. Um, unfortunately, through war, I mean, what we're seeing right now in Ukraine, hmm. uh, food supplies are coming down because they're not getting through to people, grain is not getting through to people. In Africa, there's a need for people to be starving because there's, a, there's ample food there. That's what's shocking about this. Why are people starving? So the main thing is is to bring awareness about it. So, for example, that's what Hazur does. He's been addressing the government. He's been address, addressing the NGOs. He's been addressing the World Health Organization, the World Food Program. That's what we need to be doing on the ground as well. If we, as Amadis, from this one aspect, we should be active in reminding those organizations, you have the means and you have the capability for people not to be starving. What are you doing about it? That's one thing we could be doing. The other thing that we could be doing is encouraging our, ourselves as individuals, um, to to give more towards charity, to give more towards those charities which help feed people, and then trying to encourage the greater local community, and then you know your na- your country, your nation that you live in, that you highlight this. This is what we should be doing. I mean, the winter months is coming now. Mm-hmm. So I'm already myself um, here in Ireland. I'm already looking at how we can help the homeless in the severe weather that's going to come. Um, and that's what we should be doing. Um, uh, that's how I think we should be doing, we're going about it, uh, to remind humanity uh, locally, nationally, whatever country you live in, and hopefully you'll be able to have an impact in one way or another. Yeah, hopefully. Imam Ibrahim Nolan, thank you for your time. Um, I wish you all the best for the future, and thank you for joining the Breakfast Show. Jazakallah. <laughs> Dear listeners, um, coming to the end of the show, uh, slowly, slowly, and um, as Imam Ibn Nun has mentioned that food is wasted a lot, and it is in the uh, food is provided, plenty much of amount of food is provided here, and it is actually provided for everyone. And um, even in the um, chapter two, uh, sorry, chapter twenty, verse one hundred nineteen and twenty of the Holy Quran, God says. It is provided for thee that thou wilt not hunger therein, nor wilt thou be naked, and that thou wilt not thirst therein, nor wilt thou be exposed to the sun.
No. Also Mr. Tahirah mit Force Caliph of the Ahmadimus Community. He has noted in his very um, amazing book, Islam's Response to Contemporary, Isu Contemporary Issues. He said, Islam establishes minimum rights in the form of four-point charter by def defining the basic needs which a state should procure. Food, clothing, water and shelter. Now, governments have both national and international responsibilities. These responsibilities on a national level are to fulfill the basic needs of each member of society by ensuring that all are fed equality, clothed and provided with water and shelter. The international duty is to fulfill, to fully participate in pooling resources to meet the challenge of wide-scale natural disaster or man-made calamities and to help such countries as are by themselves incapable of appropriately handling the crisis. As such, it is the duty of the state to set the matters aright by transferring back to the beggars and poor people what truly belongs to them. So, to the four fundamental requirements of food, clothing, water and shelter will have pref preference over all other considerations. Now, it should be noted that many hungry people live in countries with food surpluses, not food shortages. This issue largely is that the people who need food to most simply don't have steady access to it. Um, it's something um, which is causing tr problems in this world as well. Um, a lot of food is wasted, food which can be consumed by people who, let's say, don't have much or sometimes even live without food uh, for days and uh, Islam and God has provided especially God has provided so much food for the whole world we should we should think for them as well and the best thing to have sympathy for other people as well to come closer to Allah to remember him as well to have the same love for him if we have this love for Allah for, uh, for God then we have the same love for this creation as well so, um, for a Muslim, as mentioned, it is important that he prevent, helps preventing f food crisis, that he will not waste food as well, and that he will share his food to other people as well. Um, and I said, the arms are only for the poor and the needy, and for those employed in connection therewith, and for those whose, so, whose hearts are to be reconciled, and for the freeing of slaves, and for those in debt, and for, for the cause of Allah, and for the wayfarer, in ordinance from Allah, and Allah is all-knowing wise. Dear listeners, we are coming now to the end of the show. Um, thank you again. Thank you for listening and joining. And if you want to learn more about Islam, you can stay tuned with the Voice of Islam radio, or you can turn in tomorrow at the same time my colleague Turki Ahmed will be there with uh, his co-host um, Walid Ahmed. Uh, they will also discuss very important and fantastic topic. Um, also, I'm very um, grateful to our presenter Ramin Masood and to our researchers Hanya Sadat, Kanta, Barira, Vakki and Kafir. Dear listeners, thank you again for joining and stay in tune if you want to learn more about Islamic teachings. And until next time, uh, peace and blessings. Allah be with you.